0: and uh going to be the scripture reading will be a little different today. I won't read the whole scripture when I start like I've been doing. So uh we'll just read the first verse and uh, we'll go verse by verse through uh, uh Galatians chapter 3 starting with verse 15. If you would uh when you get to Galatians uh, chapter 3 verse 15 if you would please stand to pay reverence to the reading of the word of God galatians uh, chapter 3 verse 15 uh, the word of god says this says brethren i speak after the manner of men though it may though it be but a man's covenant yet if it be confirmed no man disannulleth or addeth thereto your heavenly father we thank you for the blessings you place in our lives lord i thank you for this church thank you for the people that make it up lord i pray that you watch over us lead god and direct us and Lord, I pray that you'll use this scripture to build your kingdom, continue to watch over us and to supply our every need, Lord Father, this morning and you know what those needs are, Lord. I'm glad that you know our hearts and minds and you can continue to help us even though we don't speak a word. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. You can be uh, seated this morning. Now, uh, throughout Galatians, we've already talked about it some last week, I sort of reiterated that it talks about uh, legalism, uh, legality, uh, certain things that have to be done. And we touched base a lot on that last week and we sort of continue that thought throughout uh, the book of Galatians. But we see a lot of different thought processes, a lot of different things that go on uh, throughout the book of Galatians. And we get to this particular part and we're going to go through verse 25, I believe, this morning, uh, looking at some of the comparisons that Paul makes. Uh, Paul looks at Abraham and Paul looks at Moses uh, throughout uh, some of these thoughts. And the Judaisers were using the Old Testament law uh, to sort of make their argument. They looked at Abraham, and we, we need to understand that Abraham uh, received the promise in the Old Testament, but Moses received the law in the Old Testament. We know that God told Abraham, I will do things for you. And he told Moses, thou shalt. So there's, there's a different reasoning and a different bargaining and a different thing that God's doing with these two different people. There's a promise and there's the law. And uh, I don't know about y'all, but I I like the sound of a promise (laughs) better than I do a law. I I believe most of us do. And the promise created a a religion that was based on God, and the law uh, created a a religion that was based upon man. Uh, The promise centers on God's plan. The law centered on man's duty. The promise focuses on God's grace, His blessings, and the law uh, focuses on man's work and uh, behavior. The promise requires sincere faith and the law requires perfect obedience. Very different things. If we look at the faith uh, that Abraham had and we look at the New Testament, I think that most of us know after spending some time in the book of Galatians that what, what was being taught here Uh, was the truth, and he even compared it multiple times, but the Judaizers, and even today's people, uh, we try sometimes to look back and say, well, we have law, and we have faith, we have uh, the law that was given, we have faith that was given, we have grace, we have obedience, and uh, yes, those both things exist, but they are two totally separate things, and uh, there was an argument that came from the Judaizers in this time, and uh, they believed that so many things about the law that was given annulled Abraham's promise. If they look at the law that was given, we understand that Abraham existed and lived and was given this blessing because of his faith. Uh, and then about 400 and some odd years after Jacob follows this blessing, we have the law that was given. And, and, and Paul even writes this for them to understand. Uh, they believe that it was a nulling of that faith. And they believe that there was a change in the plan of salvation when the law was given. And they also claim that God made the law a supplement to faith. So you have to have faith, you have to believe, and you also have to have the law. And this claim is when, when you look at Galatians 3:15 through 22, the first part of the ending of this chapter, it is his response to the Judaizers trying to teach this. So they claim that you had to have the supplement, uh, but we need to know that there is a superior, there is superiority to the promise that was given. In the NIV, I believe it uses the word duly established, but in the King James, it says this in verse 15. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, it says duly established, I believe in the NIV, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. And now to be duly established or confirmed, uh, you can't take a covenant that has been confirmed and do away with it. I can't borrow a bunch of money from you and say, I'm going to give you $100 a month for 10 years. And when it gets to year three, you come back and say, nah, yeah, we're going to do away with that. That's not really how it works. Even man's law understands that's not how that works. And they look at the law that was given to Abraham, and they say, well, the law that was given by Moses, the faith that Abraham had uh, was annulled because you have to have the law that Moses spoke of. That's not how it works. When God promises something, when God blesses something, it's not done away with. The the faith that was instituted with Abraham carried over beyond the law that was given. So they're two uh, separate things that the covenant was duly established and confirmed we can't go back on our word there is a greek word here diatheke i believe is how you pronounce that it's compact it's a covenant it's a last will and testament it is something that will go continuously on it is being sort of duly established by god and it is something that cannot be changed is what, what Paul is trying to write to these people. This is something that could not be changed, and he also makes a point that it was established on Christ in verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made, he saith not, and to seize as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed which is Christ, uh, the law could not be superseded. Uh, the law was a promise to Abraham because the promise was based on Jesus that was his promise. It was a blessing to Abraham and to his family. His faith would be blessed beyond the stars in the sky. All people will be blessed because of you. It wasn't by the Jewish people. It wasn't by them. It wasn't by the law. It was by Jesus. Jesus will be through your seed. If you understand that today, it was almost a double whammy to get the parents of Jesus Christ. We know one was just an earthly father here that he could raise him up as a child, but that that, that mother that he had was a lineage to Abraham. it was through Abraham's seed the whole world would be blessed. And the Jews completely misunderstood that so many times. And today so many people still misunderstand that. The one and only heir of every promise of God is Christ. Every promise. Everything that we are... Uh, Old Testament, if you look at a promise, a, a blessing, anything was all based on Christ. Christ. And His coming, and His fulfillment, that seed, that heir, that throne, that glory, that cross, it's all Jesus. All these blessings that we have, and the one and only heir of this was Christ. And every promise given in the covenant was fulfilled through Jesus. Every promise that you have, I don't care if it's Old or New Testament, you can stand on it because of Jesus. And that's it. And that's what Paul's trying to help them understand. The only way that we can participate in these blessings is, is to be joint heirs. Is to be part of Christ. Is to become brothers and sisters with Jesus. Is to receive His blood. Is to have faith. Before and after Christ came, salvation all the way through was through faith. You did not get salvation because of the law. You got salvation even in the Old Testament because you believed. I don't believe, I believe heaven would probably be an empty place if you only got there because of your obedience in the Old Testament to the law. People are sinful today, just as as sinful as they were before. A lot of people make the statement that we're getting so much worse. Well, uh, we're probably not. We just have different uh, things that we do that's a little more obvious. Uh, People in the Old Testament sin the same way. Uh, People were not saved by following the Ten Commandments. Uh, People received salvation. Abraham received the grace, uh, received the salvation because he believed. He had faith before the law was given. And that's what Paul is trying to press on and press on. Before the law was given, it was always through Christ. Before the cross require looking to Christ's sacrifice. After the cross requires looking back to Christ's sacrifice. So it doesn't matter which way you was. If you're living in the Old Testament before He was crucified, you were looking forward to that day that He was hung on the cross. Uh, You were looking for that. uh, And now after the fact, we're looking back and saying, praise God, uh, He has been crucified for me. He has saved me. Paul is just trying to lay it out to him to understand Christ alone. And that's all that we need. His blood covered sins on both sides of the cross. (laughs) It didn't cover it just on one side. I'm glad it covered both. It didn't matter. And I'm glad that covers mine on this side of the cross. It was also previously established. And in verse 17, In this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law which was 430 years after, I understand something today, 430 years after cannot disannul that it should be, make the promise of none effect. Now you say, Zach, how in the world did Paul come to that number? I believe Paul had already done the studying in either 430 years. He's referencing the time of Abraham's offspring. We know that Jacob got the renewed covenant. Once again, Jacob was promised your children are going to number the stars in the sky. I believe Paul's already done the studying for us. We know there's 430 some odd years or so between Jacob getting the renewed blessing and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Paul tells them, hey, it's already been the 400 some odd years God has renewed the covenant with Jacob uh, and God has renewed it through us uh, uh, saving us without the law the the law was not given until centuries after Abraham's sacrifice it was centuries after uh, Jacob had received his blessing and the law was given on Mount Sinai 430 some odd years this has went on. It was better and it was longer lasting. You didn't have to wait on on this. Uh, There was people that went to heaven before uh, these things went on. Do we think that Abraham was the first one to get this blessing? Do we think that Jacob was the only one to get this blessing? There was people that believed. It was people that had trust in Jesus Christ. The point is, is that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were saved Before the law ever came. Isn't that good? Isn't it good to know? And he's looking at those Judaisers. he's looking at the Jews and saying, you're teaching law, you're teaching we have to have these things to be saved. And I know of Old Testament word and prophecy that shows that people were saved without the law. You didn't need it. And if the law had nothing to do with Abraham's justification, how can it have anything to do with anybody else's? Uh, How could Abraham be saved without the law and have everything to do with the law? It's established our inheritance. In verse 18, For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by what? By promise. An inheritance is based on the law. It depends upon the inheritor's performance. (laughs) If you read a will... And somebody says, I'm going to give you $20,000. That's a promise. But if you look in somebody's will and it says, I'll give you $20,000 if you graduate college, that's a law. It says that you have to perform a certain way to get certain things. If we look at the Old Testament and we try to look at it like a law, we would say that, well, we can accept Christ, but we also have to follow these rules. If we want to look at it as a promise, it says, believe in me, and that's it. Understand today, we don't have a law given to us salvation. We have a promise to give us salvation. I'm glad that there is no stipulations. There's no requirements. It is pretty much belief. uh, And God is able to keep His promise. God is able to deliver on what He's going to give us. And I'm glad that the purpose made the law inferior. Wherefore then serveth the law? In verse 19. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions until the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. The obvious question of the Judaizers was, why does the law even exist, Paul? If we're not going to follow the law, Paul, why do we even have it? And Paul answers the question in this particular verse of Scripture. says, we only have the law because y'all don't know how to behave. (laughs) That's what it says. It's because of your transgressions. If we, we wouldn't need the law if y'all would act like a bunch of people that had some common sense. And I'm looking at y'all today. Hey, we, we wouldn't need the law if we knew how to behave, would we? We wouldn't need a set of rules. We wouldn't need a government to set up rules. We wouldn't have to have rules that just drive on the right side of the road if a bunch of goofballs wouldn't stay on the right side of the road. We wouldn't have stop signs set up and laws that says you have to stop at stop signs if we could just trust everybody to follow the stop signs up. That's why the law was given. Now, Paul tries to tell them the law was given because y'all can't behave. Because you transgress. Because you got all these problems. And he uses a, a word here, it says parabasis in the Greek. It means to step over. He put this in place because you're stepping over what you need to be doing. You're bypassing it. You're saying, I don't have to act right. And now God gave us this law. The purpose of the law was to show man uh, that he was stepping over the mark. Uh, The purpose of the law was to demonstrate that man was unable to to please God. That's what it's there for. You cannot please God. You cannot do it on your own works. And it shows how utterly sinful that we are and that we need God's mercy. The law was added to show the depth of man's transgressions. We're sinful. We're sinful. We are given the law to show us that we're wrong. (laughs) If we didn't have it, maybe we might not know it. How many of us could really say, yeah, I just didn't know that killing somebody was wrong. I mean, some people would give that. Some people say, I didn't know that methamphetamine was bad. (laughs) It doesn't say it in the Bible. (laughs) It says all things in the world is just wonderful. eh? We can just use God's creation for... no. You back up and we got the law, it, it lays it out. I believe if math might have existed, we, we might have had a law against math. The law was given to show us that we're wrong, that we make mistakes, that we cannot be perfect. And if a man thinks he's perfect, he'll never try to change. Did y'all know that? You know, a lot of times I think I'm right. My wife will tell you, he does. <laughs> and he's wrong a lot of times. You know my, You know, my husband probably thinks he's right all the time. Yeah, I do. Everything I do is just perfect and wonderful. But I know I'm wrong. I know that I fall short. And it shows a man that he's wrong, so a man will be a better man. That a woman knows that she's wrong, and a a woman will be a better woman. It shows people, families, that they are wrong, and the law was a tutor. The law was a way to teach us to be better to be better people. The law was not sit there was to condemn us to hell. The law was to show us that we're bad people, that we make mistakes, that we're going to fall short, and to show us that the cross is where it's going to be answered. It shows us that we're imperfect. It shows us that we need to change. And it leads us to the conclusion that we'll never make it to heaven on our own. Ever. We'll never be good enough. Eventually, we see that we need Jesus. More than we need anything else. That's what the law shows us to do. It also has limitations in the law. In the second part of 19, it says, Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. The law, Paul is trying to insinuate here, the law is temporary. It's just going to last a little while. The law was only meant to last until when? Until the seed had come. The law was only meant to last until when? Until Jesus came. The law is only going to be any good until we have a Savior. And God's promise to Abraham was eternal. And God's law given to Moses was only until the seed had come. We are no longer under Mosaic law. We're not. And if you think that we are, that you are wrong. Paul, Paul, if you read the book of Galatians and you think the law has to apply today, it shows you in the book of Galatians it does not. Yes, it's wonderful. Yes, it shows us that we're condemned. Yes, it exposes us to sin and shows us that we are wrong, but to live by the law to get to heaven doesn't work. And Paul tries to show this. We're no longer there. We're no no longer under the law of sin, but we are still under a law. It's important to realize that the law is inferior. In 19c, and it was ordained by the angels in the hand of a mediator. A mediator. A mediator. It doesn't just mean a party. It means God, you know, the one God. He was the mediator. For And John 1, 17 it says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth by Jesus Christ. The law could be given by a mere man. And Moses walked off that mountainside with stone tablets, and he could give that law to us uh, uh, from God. But I want you to realize something, that when grace was given, there was no man involved. We did not need a man. We had a man named Jesus Christ that was God in the flesh and came and died for us. But we did not need a physical man. He was just a mere man. It took God to bring grace and to bring truth. A man or an angel could deliver the message of the law, but if the promise required payment, only Jesus could make it. Only Jesus could make that payment. The promise included a promise of forgiveness. Forgiveness requires somebody to pay for your sins. And the law was based on man, but the promise is based on God. I'm glad today that there's lots of laws there. There's lots of fulfillment of laws, but there's a deadness to the law. The law is dead, has a dead inferiority. In verse 21, is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life... Verily, righteousness should have been by the law. But the Scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. The law was inferior because it could not give life. You know, I've already... Two weeks ago, I believe, I went through what the law gives you. It gives you death. It gives you condemnation. It gives you separation. It gives you punishment. I'm glad that grace... Gives you life. Grace, the love of Jesus, gives us love and life and mercy and grace. No law could give you life and no law could pay the price for sin. All the law could do was give you death. It says the word prisoner, which is a word that means to, like a fishnet, it's to close all the sides in. We finally see ourselves, we're trapped in sin, is what Paul's trying to tell us. He's already said, I believe a couple of weeks ago, we went through scripture that says, I'm dead to the sin. I'm, I'm dead to the law. The law does nothing but kill me. I'm going to go ahead and die and be resurrected with Jesus Christ. Uh, and we get to this part here that He was closed in together. Everything's around me. We, are, we have sin all around us. And the function of the law made it inferior to us. In verse 23, But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should be Afterwards, be revealed in verse twenty-four. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster. I looked at this for a while this morning. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, it says this: as we are no longer under a schoolmaster. And I really started to think about how the law functioned and how the law functions today. And as Paul uses here, he uses the word schoolmaster. And I had to really stop there and look at that this, this morning before I got here. I, I paused. And I started thinking about a schoolmaster. Even in these days, they probably had something like a principal of a school. And I, I want you to think about you being in school if you went to a public school or whatever and you had a principal that came through. Uh, what did you do when the principal came through? You usually straightened up. <laughs> when the boss comes through... Uh, you straighten up. When your parents step in the scene, you usually straighten up. And we see Paul comparing this to being under a schoolmaster. You're no longer under a schoolmaster. We don't have somebody that's watching our every move, taking notes, writing us up, writing down all these little slips, and letting our parents know that we're doing these bad things. I see a schoolmaster doing those things. I see them making us behave, and if you don't behave, I'm going to punish you within the day. And we look at this, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Praise the Lord, we don't have somebody peering at us and looking at us all the time, making sure that we're behaving. We're not. Praise the Lord that I don't have somebody there sitting there making notes of every little thing that I do and at the end of the day before I go home, I'm either going to get a whooping or I'm going to be told on or punished in some sort of way. We're no longer under a schoolmaster. We're no longer under the law. We're no longer under these things. Since faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor is what it says in the NASV. Notice he doesn't say since Christ has come. It says... Now that faith has come. Now that we have faith. Now that we have belief. It's it's only talking to the people that have believed in Jesus. Praise the Lord. We believe that we are under grace. We're no longer under the law. I'm glad that Jesus is that good. I'm glad that Jesus saved my soul. I'm no longer under a schoolmaster. I'm no longer under a set of rules, a law, a certain set of guidelines. I am saved because I have grace. I have faith. And I have been saved because I believe. As they get a verse of some song ready, you can never truly appreciate the blessings of God's grace and mercy until you see yourself on the backdrop of the law. When we see how much the law had enslaved us, we appreciate how much God's grace has delivered us. When we see how completely the law had condemned us, we appreciate how freely we've been forgiven. And when we see how much we are trapped, when we see how much desperately wicked we are, we are gracious to be forgiven. You have to have a point in your life that you realize, I am a sinner. I'm wrong. That's why the law exists. The law exists for us to know right from wrong. The law is there for a purpose. But the law is there to lead you to Christ. It's not to live by. It's not to base the church on. It's not be, The law is there to help us know we're not perfect. And that's what Paul is trying to help them understand. That's why I hope each and every one of us this morning understands. You are a sinner because the law has set it up. And you can be saved by having faith in Jesus Christ. As we stand, what page you got? Four ten. Page four.